0: Church Project. How's everyone doing today? All right, everyone's awake. That's good. This is uh, the video that we attempted to show you last week uh, from our church project in Houston. Uh, I I updated you last week. Uh, Our our building, our physical church building, uh, is still a place where people are living and it's still a place where donations are coming in and out, uh, food, clothing, all all sorts of good stuff. And so just know that even us, even Church Project Greeley, we've sent money down to Houston, and we're going to continue to support however we can. But what a need they're in right now. And I don't know about you, but great is his faithfulness. His promise still stands. No matter what you're going through, no matter if it's a literal flood that you're going through or a symbolic flood in your life, Um, I have learned in my short years here on earth that God is faithful, and he's just, and he's lovely, and he's there through the hardest of storms. And so my encouragement for you today is if you are going through any sort of trial in your life, or you've been through any trial in your life, or you think you might be going into a trial in your life, I would encourage you to cling strong to the name of Jesus I'd encourage you to stay strong to church body and to come and be encouraged continually as you wade through the floods in your life. So church, continue to pray for Houston, continue to pray uh, for Florida, continue to pray for the devastation that we see around us. Um, We're we're promised in scripture that the days are only going to get more turbulent, that natural disasters are going to happen and things are going to happen. But as Christians, this is when we can turn our frowns into smiles, knowing that he is faithful and he is just, and we can count on him. Amen? Amen. Well, welcome to Church Project. We're a gathering of people that love Jesus, and we want to love and know him more. And we also love the mission of Jesus in this world, and we want to learn how to live out that mission together. So we're a church, but we're also a project we're in an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended for a church to be. We are a collection of house churches that meet throughout the week, and we gather together here. Congratulations. We made it to Sunday mornings. Hopefully, you're plugged in in a house church as well, because even on the video you saw down in Houston, when they couldn't gather on a Sunday because the church building was flooded, what happened? the house churches came alive. And it was the house churches that were helping the neighbors, you know, mud out all the floodwaters and all sorts of stuff. So their house churches were there during the tragedy, but also the house churches are there when you want to celebrate and have a party. Anyone like to celebrate and have a party? Get part of our house church. Uh, And then we also just, uh, we financially and relationally partner with Uh, ministry partnerships that are effective in in our city and beyond that are doing effective things for the gospel. And so welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you are here today. I want you, if you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 9 verses 15, or, or Acts chapter 9 verses 5 through 19 is what we're going to go through today. If you don't have a Bible, there's a blue Bible near you, uh, and if you don't see one and you would like one, just raise your hand, and uh, we'll have someone bring you a car, will bring a Bible. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Uh, we want you to have a Bible, but open it up to Acts chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 5 and go through uh, 19. I'm going to read through this, and I'm really excited today because I think God has got a, a good message for each and every one of us. So they laid him by or so they led him by the hand into Damascus. For 3 days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Verse 10. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, "Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying." In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Verse 13. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. What a story! If you've been coming to Church Project, you know we're just walking through the books of, book of Acts. And last week, we talked about the verses previous to what happened here. So if you're a first-time guest or you don't know and you're jumping into the middle of the story, basically this man Saul is on his way to Damascus to kill Christians. And on his way to Damascus, he's encountered by a, a great light and a great voice that literally drops him to his knees and he becomes blinded. And so that's where the story left off last week, and this is where it picks up today when Saul is on his knees, blinded, and he asks, who are you, Lord? Saul asks in verse five. Christianity is a movement. It's not a static thing that we just sit back on and participate in. It's not something you can just simply come and participate in. Going to church is only part of it, but go and be the church. Go do, go move. That's where Christianity really gets its pulse. That's when Christianity comes alive. The only way, Church Project, right here, if if you've been with us for a while, wasn't it awesome when we had 12 people? That was awesome. We're growing. Like, we're, we're growing by numbers, and we're growing spiritually, we're growing, we're making disciples. The only way that Church Project is growing is because you, the church, you go, and you bring other people to Church Project. I mean, have you seen our, our fantastic videos and our advertisement throughout Greeley? just doesn't exist, does it? Like, there's those little cards in the back, and that's just it, those little cards. Like, we're not advertising. The only way that we grow is because you go, and you do, and you invite your friends, and your family, and your neighbors to come to Church Project, and the only way that we can give and exist as a body is because you consistently give, and that's how we live as a body, It's not something that we can just show up and be static in. We need to go and do. And the only way the gospel message spreads in Greeley, Colorado, is by us leaving these walls. Would you agree? Amen. Amen. We just can't come and sit in here and say, great is your faithfulness, God. I love being part of this church. And then walk out the doors and never encounter Jesus throughout the week. Like the gospel. The gospel is the answer to all the devastation we see in our own lives and in Greeley and beyond, and the only way that gospel message gets out, if we go and spread this message wherever we go. So it's a movement. I want to point out something in this, in this passage that we just read right here, um, and in that, that is in verse 5. If you'll look in verse 5, Saul asks. You see that in verse 5? Saul asks. Who who are you, God? And then in verse 7, Saul got up. You see that? So he encounters God and he asks, who are you? And then in verse 7, there's an action and Saul got up. Or in verse 8, sorry. But also, look, Ananias answered in verse 10. So there's an action. God is calling him. Ananias answers. And then in verse 17, what does Ananias do? He went so here we see both people Saul and Ananias in this story alone Saul is encountered by God and what does he do he asks who are you Ananias is encountered by God and God is speaking to him and Ananias answers and says yes Jesus so both people had to recognize that God was doing something in their life but look what happened on the second end of both of their stories Saul had to get up from the ground didn't he He didn't stay on the ground and just worship and say, great is your faithfulness and stay there all the days of his life. No, it happened where Saul encountered Jesus and he had to get up. And the same thing happens to Ananias. Ananias in verse 17, he went. So both men heard and they obeyed. They went. They did. They were part of a movement. Is Shannon here? Hi, Shannon. You want to come on up? Church, we are a body. We're moving together. We're growing. Um, we're loving. We might, Ryan. We might need a mic. We might need a mic here. And if you've been with us the last three weeks, you know that some things have not gone exactly as as planned in our little gathering, which which has been absolutely awesome and phenomenal. Okay, we'll get that mic. Um, so, Shannon and I had a wonderful coffee meeting this morning with with Madison. And um, I want to say this, Madison, thank you for being brave and thank you for being vulnerable. But if you've been with us, you know that we've had to shake it up the last three weeks. And so in a vacuum of no information, we create our own conclusions. But I want to I just point out how Madison has shown up for three weeks in a row and how vulnerable and how brave that is, being part of a movement that's doing. Thank you, ma'am. Now we'll let Shannon chat a little bit
1: hi good morning everybody um, I'm Shannon and like Aaron said he and I met with Madison this morning and just wanted to um, provide a little information for everybody the way we look at it is we're a church family and we take care of each other and so we just um, wanted to keep you guys informed of what's happening so um, you guys know how to best respond so um, if you haven't been here and this is all weird to you I um, our friend Madison um, has epilepsy and so um, sometimes she does have episodes um, where she has seizures and she is currently um, working on a plan with her doctors to make those stop, obviously. And so um, we just wanted you guys to know that to her it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, that just kind of happens sometimes. So um, obviously we um, want prayer for Madison. We pray for healing, um, whether in the form of she's on a new medication now, so we're crossing our fingers, um, or if, you know, we just pray for God to just heal her completely and just totally um, rid her body of that. But um, so our plan here is, you know, if something does happen, we're just going to, kind of continue on and, and not, you know, make a big scene of it. Just make sure she's safe. And so we don't want you to think we're disrespecting her by shoving her to the side or something. But um, So we just want you guys to know that it's something that may happen. We're praying that, you know, she's done with it now and that um, we can continue on. But we just wanted you guys to be informed. So as a family, you know how to react if that does happen. So...
0: Oh, I think that's perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Shannon. Yeah, thank you for speaking. And and Madison, thank you very much. We love you, girl. Yeah. I don't know how to turn that off. Madison is a a perfect example of showing up. um, And so far today, we're doing good, right? Okay. Showing up and being vulnerable and being consistent and being part of a, a movement. You know, a people, a family that's moving together and growing together. How many of you would show up in week number two if you had seizure at church week number one? How many of you would show up at church week number three if you had seizure in week number two? And how many of you would be here today for three weeks in a row of multiple seizures? Thank you, ma'am. And I think that's a beautiful example of what it means to stay part of a movement that, that we don't have this figured out. Like scenarios beyond our control whatever floodwaters is happening in our life God is still faithful We lock arms together and we keep showing up we're going to be able to push back the gates of hell There's nothing that can stand against it as a body and individually Like one of the hardest things for me to do is to speak Not not to actually present because I'm, I'm, I kind of blutter through that, blah, blah blah blah. I make up words. you notice it all the time, right? <laughs> the, dyslexic, that's always fun when someone with dyslexia comes up and speaks, right? Um, but the thing that's the hardest for me to do is to look you in the eyes. and I know a lot of stories out there. I know a lot of pain. And so sometimes I have to look above your heads and act like I'm looking at you because I know what you're going through and I feel what you're going through. But I just want to say this, God is entering into your, into your pain and God is there and he is faithful. So church, let's not give up. Let's not give up meeting together, no matter how awkward it may feel, no matter what the circumstance looks like. Like this is how we push back the gates of hell by locking arms and counting on Jesus in our life. Saul, Ananias, they heard from God, and they responded. Like, they got up. They answered. They did. Some of us already know what God is asking of us. I'll just say that. We're on our own road to Damascus right now, and some of us may already know what God is asking of us. He's, we already feel like we're on our knees. Like, we've already answered God, and we already know what he's asking of us. I would say this. It's time to move. Move. It's time to get up. It's time to push forward. The Spirit will move today in this place, in your heart and in your mind. And I'm asking Him to do something and to move in every one of our hearts. Would you? Would you ask that God would show you something beautiful through this passage today? Look at verse 9. Well, let's look at verse... uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go to verse 9. You can can read 5, 6, 7, 8 on your own again, but I want to jump to verse 9. For three days Saul was blinded, and he did not eat or drink anything. Then it continues, and it said, hey, where is it where he says he asked God? Where is it? Do you see where he asked God? answered. Is it you, Lord? Where, where is it at? I'm not seeing it. Who are you, Lord? Okay, verse 5 is where it is. No one was helping me. Come on, throw me a bone. Jeez, okay. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and he says, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. He replied in verse 5, so we actually did need to start in verse 5. Verse 6, now get up and go into the city. You'll be told what, to, what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. And Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. I I think it's amazing that when he's on the ground, he says, who are you, Lord? And And Jesus replies and says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Paul, or Saul right now is is still his name, Saul, later his name becomes Paul, but Saul at this point, we know that he was born a Roman citizen, we know that he was also a Jewish Pharisee, and his zeal and love for God and for the word turned into an attack on God and his people. So you're not at this point, you're not seeing Saul as some crazy guy that's on a rampage to kill Christians. What we see in this story is Saul, a man, a Roman citizen, highly educated, a Jewish Pharisee, and his zeal for God, his love for God, and his love for the word has moved him into a rampage against these Christians, and it was turned into attack on God and his people. Have you ever been at that point When you think you're doing something right, and you look up only to go, oh, that wasn't right, like, it was good intentions, I meant to do something, but you end up, Hurting people along the way or whatever. Have you ever been there or is that just me? Like good intentions gone bad. Like, oh, I, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I didn't mean to hurt. I didn't mean to do that. And I can see Saul right now for the first time. Good intentions, zeal for love, a love for God and his word. He's dedicated. He's on the road to fight for God. And God encounters him right there on the road and says, good intentions gone bad. Good intentions gone bad. He was so focused on the way it was, the way that he knew God, the way that he read a God in scripture at this point. He was so focused on the way that it was that he was missing the new and fresh thing God was already doing. His zeal and his love for God was so focused on the past, he wasn't even focused on what God was doing currently and in the future. Do we do the same thing? Maybe that's why he was speechless. He was in shock. He's like, what do you mean you don't operate like this, God? All I've known of you is operating like this, and I'm in in love with you and your word, and I'm fighting for you. I'm going to rampage to kill these people that are doing odd things, and God shows up and says, I want to rearrange your thoughts. Actually, I'm in the middle of this, and so I wonder if the first time Saul's zeal was turned into speechless, like, that's what you're doing? Says he was speechless at this point. Good intentions, probably, <laughs> is probably blowing his mind right now because he thought he was doing the right thing. Growing up as a good Baptist, I followed all the rules. Mm-hmm. Any of you like that? Jay, I know you were like that. You're like no, 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 Don't Don't point to me on this one, Aaron. Okay. The first time I wrote in my Bible was like. God, please don't strike me dead. Any of you like that? You're like, I grow like that. You're like, uh-oh. The fact that we have Bibles on the floor, that is appalling. Like, well, are you kidding me? I would have been hung for that as a, a little, little lad. <laughs> the first time I prayed without my eyes closed and my head bowed, I was like, God, please don't strike me dead. Oh, oh, this one's a good one. The first time I lifted my hands during worship, that's when the record went. <laughs> <laughs> There's my sound effects for today, Mike. That's it, man. <laughs> that was a good one. I should do a DJ thing. <laughs> Sorry, I'll come back here. Uh, Christianity is freedom, people. And I remember the first time I thought, oh, it's, it's, I, I guess it's okay to write my Bible. No, I, I guess it's okay to pray and walk, talk. I guess it's okay to lift my hands and worship, unless I don't have deodorant on and I'm like that. <laughs> Christianity is freedom. In, in Christianity, God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. I need to say that again, because I just got a little um from Chad. God is doing a new thing. Amen, church. Like, good intentions, just going through the way it, it, we know it to be. Like, following the rules, we're following everything, we're doing it, good intentions. Maybe God needs to encounter us on the road to Damascus and set us free. Set us free from religiosity. Set us free from tradition. Like, set us free. God is doing a new thing. No matter how bad yesterday was, God has smiled, and he's smiling upon us. And he's filling us with his warm and loving sunrise today. Did you see that sunrise today? I know none of our college people did, but that's okay. (laughs) God is doing a new thing. And the irony right here in Saul in this passage right here, the irony is is that Saul's physical eyes were closed, right? His physical eyes were closed. Something like scales were on his eyes, but what happened? The irony is his spiritual eyes were opened. For the first time, he realized what God was and what he was doing, and how he was moving. So no wonder he was speechless. He thought he was already serving God. May God open our spiritual eyes, church. May God open our spiritual eyes, where we sit right now. God, overwhelm us today. God, overwhelm us today, and overwhelm us this week with your word and your presence And may that be our prayer all day today and all day this week. God, overwhelm me. Open my eyes to who you are, to the new thing you're doing in my life, because I want to know you. Let's get to verse 10. Verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias simultaneously while Saul was on his knees and getting up. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Say that five times real fast, Straight Street. And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Straight Street still remains a thoroughfare right now today in, in modern-day Damascus. I wouldn't. It's, it's called Darb al-Mastagim. Anyone ever been there? Still a thoroughfare, an actual street, which is pretty cool to kind of see Bible, what it's written about, and see, see it in real life and what's happening, like this is a real thing. But in verse 12, Saul, the one arresting the, the, and killing the Christians, are you serious? You see that, Ananias? Ananias knows. He's in Damascus. He's a, he's a Christian man in Damascus, and, and the word of Saul already coming to Damascus to arrest and kill Christians must have gotten to Damascus already. You can imagine this powerful man, Coming with letter from the highest authority to arrest Christians and kill them. He's on the way right now to Damascus. If you're a Christian, what are you doing? I'm probably hiding. And Ananias, wouldn't you be a little amazed if, in a vision, the Christian man, knowing that Saul's coming, was told you're actually going to go and talk to this guy and meet this guy? And I can imagine saying, "Are you serious?" This is the guy that's arresting Christians and you want me to go to him? And you want me to say what and do what? Look at verse 14, or 13. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. His fame, bad fame, has already spread. Verse 14, and he he has come here with authority by the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name, but the Lord said to Ananias, Go. It's not a static Christianity, is it? Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. I think that verse 16 really. Some of us read it when we have a feel good Christianity and we go, blah, 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 I must suffer for my name, blah, blah. Let's pause. Suffering that you see in verse 16 is not the exception, but the norm for Christians in a fallen world. So if you came to Christianity under the pretense that everything's going to be okay, I'm sorry. You were duped into it. Because as Christians, we are guaranteed in verse 16 that suffering is not the exception, but it's the norm for Christians in a fallen world. Second Timothy 3.12 says this, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Don't you like being a Christian? Isn't this awesome? <laughs> Sign me up for that, right? Okay, let's continue here, verse, verse uh, 16. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me, so that you may see it again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. I think it's interesting if you look in verse 17 and 18, Ananias was an instrument used by God. Ananias, as Luke is writing Acts to us right now, is not called an apostle. He's not an official apostle. Because to be an apostle, one of the conditions to be an apostle is that you would have been commissioned by Jesus himself. You would have walked and lived and been commissioned by Jesus himself. And so Luke doesn't call Ananias an apostle, but I think it's strange and I think it's neat that in a kind of a subtle way, he is an apostle. I mean, Jesus shows up to Ananias in a vision and commissions him personally to go and tell this Christian killing guy the good news. And he's commissioned by Jesus to go do this. I think it's also interesting. If I were to say, do a character search on Ananias, you won't find another word about him in the rest of Scripture. This is it. Like he shows up on the scene, and we know nothing more about Ananias. Isn't that interesting? That the one thing we know about him is this story right here, and the story of Ananias. I will. I hope one day is the story of my life. What said of Ananias that he was an instrument used by God to what to face his fears and to go to this Christian killing guy named Saul and to do what God asked him to do. Later, we know that Saul's name is turned to Paul. He writes 13 of the books in the New Testament. And may I just pose that it was partly because Ananias followed God's calling in his life, but to go do something that didn't even make sense. Jesus came, he spoke to Ananias, Ananias answered, and then he responded. And I thank God for that. And I think it's also interesting as you look through Saul, when Ananias comes to him, he says, Brother Saul. So Saul, before he's blinded, is on his way to kill Christians. And now when Ananias shows up on the scene, Saul recognizes him as Brother Saul. A 180 turn on the road to Damascus. Saul suddenly says, I'm listening to you God and his life is changed. I am constantly aware of cool God moments for me to be an instrument and I'm I'm constantly missing cool God moments for me to be used as an instrument for God. And oftentimes, I've been the recipient of someone coming and God using them as an instrument to remind me of a good word or show me something or tell me something in my own life. And I hope it goes down in the history book saying, Aaron was an instrument of God, used by God to proclaim good news. And I hope that's the prayer for, for every one of you. I mean, this, this week alone, some, some homeless guy and his son asked a ride from me from Walmart to his hotel. I don't know why I to go to a hotel, but asked for a ride, and I'm not, I'm not tooting a horn here. I'm, just, I'm saying this. I didn't want to give him a ride. I was exhausted, and honestly, too much information. I really had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I had every excuse to be like, dude, no. But I'm prompted, and especially as I'm reading this verse, I'm like, use me as an instrument here, and then like, protect my bladder. Like, like let's, let's do this. What would happen if we were walking throughout our days asking God for a word for someone, constantly be looking for ways to be used by God in the subtlest of ways, like looking at someone and smiling or having a word for them. I like the smile. I won't pick on you giving homeless people right, whatever. I mean, a, a list could go on forever. Hebrews 13, one through two says this, and may I remind us, church, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing some, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Maybe that homeless guy was an angel. How cool would that be? I think God is prodding every one of us, no matter what age we are, and no matter what we are doing sitting in this place. He's prodding us, saying, Are you willing to be an instrument used by me in the smallest of ways or the largest of ways? That's way cool. Be careful not to dig in on your position. Saul was dug in on his position. Kill Christians. Be careful not to dig in on your position. That can also be known as a rut, by the way. I never give money to sign holders begging on the side of, you know, the intersection. Oh, be careful not to say that. Be careful not to dig in. Really, as Christians, we should not dig in. That may be a great opportunity as you have 10 seconds to decide if you're going to give this person money or not. It may be a great opportunity to say, God, what do you want me to do right now? And maybe with that hot heart posture, God will give us a word. And he'll tell us something that he wants us to do. I'm convinced that if we Christians took more pause in our life and abided in him more, he would speak and lead us more. Or maybe it's just us putting us in ourselves in a posture, in a position to hear from God. That we'll actually be able to hear from him. So, this week, church, would you pause on your busy road? Even in this place. See and hear God, like Saul and Ananias saw and heard God, and then apply. Whatever God is saying to your life. And I would say this enjoy the journey ahead. I think if Saul knew what he was about to experience in life as he encountered, encountered God on the road to Damascus, I think he would be so giddy. Like the journey ahead, Saul, is going to be fantastic. Are you willing to walk it? Church, ask God for Damascus Road experiences in your own life today. Ask him. God, drop me to my knees. Let me see your greatness and hear of your greatness. Ask him to stop us in our tracks and to blow our minds, to change our direction in life, to take us into the unknown, and to use us as he used Saul and Ananias. Isn't this a fantastic passage? A, a passage that if we really grip it, it'll get us just so excited about what God is doing and has done in our life. That's all I got. Let's pray. God, I I pray right now that we would be a church filled with people that do more than just show up on Sundays. But we would be a people that would be at pause throughout our entire week as we abide in you. That we, God, we would know that this gospel message actually leaves these walls and changes greatly. It changes our workspaces, it changes our families, it changes our dorms and our classrooms. It changes wherever we go because, God, this gospel message, this relationship is light. And whenever light enters darkness, there is no more darkness. So, God, I pray in our own lives that as we sit here and reflect on what you're teaching us today, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and minds. And that God as we're encountering you today on our own road to Damascus, that from a posture of listening, you have our attention. Would you speak to us? And God, I pray for our church. I pray for Christians, especially in this room, that we would be bold, that when we know you're speaking to us, we would stand with authority and we would march to Damascus just excited for what you're gonna do in our life, God that we would abandon all caution, and that we would move at your speed. So God, strengthen your church to have the confidence that your faithfulness never changes. You are good. You love us. You'll walk us through every flood and give us the courage to do so. In your name we pray.